Amen. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name Jesus. Man, we're glad to see you this morning. Those who are joining us online, we're delighted you're with us. Let's all stand together. We'll make a joyful noise. Let's sing together this morning. Brother Ken. Amen. One of our favorite songs around here this morning, I Know My Name Is There. We'll do all four verses today. That's I Know My Name Is There. to see you. Thank you for being with us again today in the Lord's house. Josh is going to take us to the throne of grace before we pray. Let me give you a few prayer requests this morning. Please continue to lift up Sister Margaret Vernon. She's at Stanley Town now recuperating from her fall and the subsequent procedures and of course uh, uh, all of the complications that she's had but God's been good to her so pray for Miss Vernon if you would remember Sister Helen she has surgery on Thursday Brother Barry Rigney's got a procedure on Tuesday uh, thank you for your prayer for Renee's dad he's uh, improved and came home yesterday so we're thanking God for that 
Pray for the Hartsock family and the passing of Brother Robbie Hartsock's sister, several in our church who are sick. But above all of that, can we pray for God to meet with us today and for the presence of the Holy One to be manifest and we'd walk out of here like David of old saying, it's been good to be in God's house. Josh, take us to the throne of grace. Let's pray together. Josh, pray for us, buddy. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord. We want to thank you for another opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, we don't take it for granted uh, that we are we have the health, we have the ability to come here this morning and just hear from you. Lord, I pray that you will help us to set aside all our worries that we have, all the burdens that are on our hearts this morning, God. And I pray that you will just open our hearts and minds to be receptive of the word that you have for us today. God, I pray that you will be with each and every person that's here. Uh, once again, Lord, just help us to, to lay those things aside that we're facing. Um, Lord, I pray that you'll speak through Brother Greg. Lord, I pray that you'll um, bless the choir as we sing. And Lord, I pray that you'll prepare our hearts for this word for us this morning, God. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here this morning, Lord, that is lost and headed for a devil's hell, Lord, I pray that you will just convict their hearts, give them the courage to make that step, and Lord, to come to you and to accept you as their personal Savior today. Once again, Lord God, I pray that you will bless these services and just uh, make a change in each and every one of our lives today, God. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I love this song. The first, word, the first line of it reminds us that Satan is very real. Peter tells us that he's our enemy, that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and the one thing he wants to stop us from doing is heading to the closet of prayer, because he knows that the greatest weapon we have is our prayer life with God. I'm glad this morning that when we get to that closet, we find that he's an ever-present help in a time of need, and he's exactly what we need. You listen as the choir sings, I can still pray through. Sing, Marcia.
I've been uh, singing this song all week, so the only thing I know to do is for us to sing it this morning. Sing, babe. down to the second verse. Go back down to key. If you want to slip up to this altar this morning, you know you're at, you're at your father's house. You can yeah, kick your shoes off and get comfortable. You come on, make your way. Sing, Lydia. Sing that second verse. 
Thank you so much. Amen to that. God has been good. Thank you, choir. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning, church. We're so glad to see you. Church full almost again this morning. And for those who are joining us via live stream, we are delighted that you're letting us into your home this morning. Several announcements I want to bring to your attention. Next Sunday morning, a week from today, our good friends, uh, the Joyful Sounds, will be with us during our 11 o'clock hour. We love the Joyful Sounds. I grew up listening to them. Annie doesn't like me to say that, but I grew up listening to them. And uh, we're delighted to welcome them back. They don't have a lot of setup, so we will still have Sunday school like normal. And we will enjoy welcoming the Joyful Sounds into our congregation next Sunday morning. On Sunday, March the 26th, which is the last Sunday of this month, uh, that will be our Hometown Hero Sunday. I'm going to pause a few minutes and talk a little bit more about that this morning. That's a Sunday that we set aside here at SAGBC to express our appreciation to our community's first responders. By that we mean our law enforcement officers, our firefighters, and our EMS and EMT personnel. This week, we are mailing out letters to all of those offices, inviting them to be with us on Sunday, March the 26th. And you will also find here in our postal area, and did we put some at the back as well, we've got flyers that we've made up that it, on cardstock for that, so that they'll be sturdy for you to give out. If you, uh, of course, we're going to send the letters out, but I think oftentimes a, a, an individual invite is the best way to go. So uh, if you know law enforcement officers, if you know EMS, EMT workers, firefighters, please, please, please give them one of these flyers. We'll have more made up this week as well. And give them a personal invitation to be here at our church. Um, just to be candid, I'm going to pause just a minute and go a 30-second rabbit trail. I'm done with listening to folks criticize those who run to what we run from. And so, th amen. And so this gives us an opportunity to express our appreciation for those men and women who so courageously serve our community. As part of that, at the end of service, we will go downstairs on the 26th and have a catered lunch uh, that we're looking forward to. So on March the 19th, which is the Sunday before uh, our Hometown Hero Sunday, we're going to take up an offering for, for, for a couple of things. I want to do this the Sunday before, because while they're here, I don't want them to think they have to pay anything, because they don't. We didn't invite them here to pay for their lunch. So what we're going to ask you to do on Sunday, March the 19th, uh, is to pay what you will do. So it's $10 a person. Now, look, you can't even hardly go to McDonald's now and get a lunch for $10. It's $10 a person. It's going to be two meats, three vegetables. We are going to ask the ladies to please bring the desserts. That's how we're keeping it at $10. If you would please bring your favorite dessert, one per family. 
And then I'm going to also ask you to please pray about paying for one of these hometown heroes. You might be able to pay for four or five of them. You might be able to pay for one of them for $10. Um, I, I would appreciate that because when we're here that day, I don't want to say a word about money. I don't want to take up the offering that day. I don't want to have anybody downstairs collecting money. I want to do it all the Sunday before so that Sunday we can just celebrate them. So on March the 19th, we'll do the special offering where you can pay for your lunch if you're planning to attend, or if you're not planning, you can help us pay for some of these hometown heroes. Also want to remind you that our Vacation Bible School sign-up is out there. Thank you for those who've already signed up. Please make sure that you sign up soon if you haven't already. And thank you for helping us with our parking. It's once again good to see that we need parking spaces. I love these kinds of problems. So as always, we're asking those who are able from SAGBC family to navigate stairs, to consider parking downstairs uh, during our Sunday morning services. And then one final thing, uh, the wild game dinner that many of you signed up for, unfortunately, is sold out. And so by the time we were able to get our order in, they were already sold out, which means you'll have to wait till next year to eat your alligator and your bear. Brother Josh has already given some of the money back, but if you haven't gotten yours back, if you would please see Josh, he'll take care of that for you. It also means that we'll have to wait for a year for Madison and Charlene and the pimps to go up to the wild game dinner. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the video from last week. You'll understand it completely. All right, let's, uh, uh, fellas, come on, make your way down this morning. Be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. You all come get ready to sing this song that I ask you to sing this morning. We're going to pray and ask God to speak through the offering today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to assemble ourselves together. God, I pray your blessings upon, I pray your blessings upon our services in Christ's name. Amen. A little bit confusing this morning. I stay that way, so it's pretty normal. I uh, want to try this song again. I, the last time I did, I kind of messed up on the second verse, and I get nervous, and I've been in church all my life. Uh, my grandfather, he started several of the Methodist church, churches up in uh, around Patrick County, and uh, I was there. Like Brother Greg, I was drugged. Every, every week, every time the doors was open, we were there. But I still get nervous when I get in front of people. And seems like here lately I'm, I'm more so. But uh, just pray for me. Hope to do, do what the Lord would have it to be.
Brother Gerald, fantastic job, man. Awesome job this morning. All right, let's all stand together. We will sing fellowship this morning. Kids will head out in just a moment. Awesome job, Brother Gerald. Let's stand, make a joyful noise. Brother Ken. Amen. As we stand, we'll sing, Brethren, we have met to worship. We'll do the first and the last verse this morning. Brethren, we have met to worship. 
whatever you're comfortable doing. Kids heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on, make your way this morning. All the youngins, Children's Church, Junior Church. Make your way down this morning. back down. This is first Sunday of the month. Congregation, please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. It's first Sunday of the month, which means it's Mission Sunday. In addition to your faithful support of our missionaries, we give 13%, almost 14% of our tithes back into our missions program. We're very grateful for that support. Congregation, turn in your Bibles to Luke 9, and I've asked them to sing a song for me this morning. Bless the missions offering. Bless every missionary on our field, both here in America and all over the world. May every penny see souls saved in Christ's name. Amen. Sing, y'all.
singing that. Luke chapter 9 this morning. Verse 37 is where we will begin our Bible reading. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Have you ever had one of those experiences where the Sunday morning service is sweet, where the presence of God is thick, where you feel like this is the mountaintop moment. And then Monday morning hits. Maybe you walk into work, and the person you work with who plucks every one of your nerves starts plucking away. Maybe you walk in, and things that you thought were going to go smoothly all of a sudden begin to fall apart. Maybe you... Kids get on your nerves. I'm not going to say grandkids because they're perfect in every way. Can I get a witness? Amen. My daddy reminds me often, grandkids are God's reward for not killing your kids. Amen. Amen. The reality is we don't get to live on the mountaintop. Don't misunderstand me. I love it. I love Sunday morning. I love gathering with the saints of God and worshiping the Son of God. I love feeling the presence of God. But I got to get up and go to work tomorrow morning, just like you do. And sometimes that work reminds us that we don't get to live on the mountaintop. In fact, the reality of the Christian life is that most of us dwell at the foot of the mountain. Our everyday livelihood, our existence, our regular everyday roll up your sleeves and be a believer doesn't happen on the mountaintop. It happens at the foot of the mountain. I know believers, people that I love dearly, who seemingly are only happy on the mountaintop. And they live their lives trying to get from mountain to mountain to mountain But that only lasts for a little while. Eventually, we got to get back down to the business of life, and life happens at the foot of the mountain. Let's read a story this morning that I think really typifies that. A story that happens after two spectacular mountaintop experiences. The first one 
We call it the feeding of the 5,000. We know it was 5,000 men. It's probably closer to 15,000 when you add men, women, boys, and girls. Uh, but if you can feed 5,000, you can feed 15 or 20,000. It really doesn't matter. It was feeding the multitude. Five loaves of bread, two fishes, uh, 12 baskets left over. Why 12 baskets? One basket for each of the doubting disciples. Man, what a mountaintop experience. They walked out of there celebrating Jesus, thinking, my soul, what, what kind of man is this? And then Jesus brings three of them, Peter, James, and John, literally to a mountain where they get to witness what we call the transfiguration. And Peter is so blown away that he says, just like we probably say from time to time, Lord, can we just stay here? Can we just stay here and enjoy this? This is what my soul needs. This is what I got to have. Can we just stay here? And Jesus says, no, because everybody else is waiting down there. And we got to go back down there to do ministry. And the moment they come down from the mountain, they're smack dab faced with an obstacle. And one for which... They, the disciples, appear powerless. Let's read it together. Verse 37. Came to pass that on the next day, that's the day after the Mount of Transfiguration, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, Look upon my son, for he's mine only child. Lo, a spirit taketh him. And he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, but he foameth again. Bruising him hardly departeth from him. Verse 40 is telling, I besought thy disciples to cast him out. They could not. Verse 41 Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. As he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, delivered him again to his father. They were all amazed at the mighty power of God. Father, thank you this morning for your presence today. Lord, as I say so often, it's already been good to be in your house. Lord, we come now to the part of the hour that's so necessary, so needed. Lord, that's the preaching of the word that you ordained thousands of years ago as the instrument by which you would use to reach men and women, boys and girls. Lord, I pray that you do that this morning. Two things we're asking for, God. If there's anyone here that's never met you, may this be that moment, the day, the hour, where the Holy Spirit quickens their heart, draws this individual, and may they make that decision to choose Christ. And Lord, secondly, for those of us that know the Lord uh, and fight this, this battle every day where, where we don't get to live on the mountain, may we be strengthened by the preaching of the Word to face our valley experiences one more time. Well, thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you amen me this morning that most of our days are less than perfect? Most of our days, many of them 
are filled with challenges, problems, disappointments. Can I just pause a moment and say, this is one of the reasons church is so important, y'all. Church is a place where we get to set aside for two hours, 90 minutes, two hours, uh, the cares of the world, the problems of the world, where we get to chuck all of that at the back door, come find our seat with our brothers and sisters, uh, bathe uh, in the presence of God, listen to the preaching of the Word of God, experience the praise of God, just believing with other Christians uh, that God is who He says He is, uh, and just taking a few minutes uh, to forget about that out there and focus on Him up there. Why we need it so badly. Because tomorrow morning, Monday, all over again. And the cares that we left behind Friday or even moments ago will smack us right smack dab in the face again. We got to live everyday life. And everyday life is not lived on the mountain. I'm afraid sometimes... We have equated with a, a, an emotional reaction on Sunday. Don't misunderstand me again. I love it. Man, I'm addicted to it. But I'm afraid sometimes we think if we don't have that, uh, we can't face the world. Our emotions uh, are not what guide our facing the world. It's the Word of God that helps us face the world. So how do we live our everyday life? So when I preached to you on this, mo- this morning, life at the foot of the mountain. Three things that I'll invite you to look at with me. Actually, four. I'm so used to saying three, now they're going to take away my ordination paper. Four things we're going to look at this morning. Number one, note with me, if you would please, the reality. The reality. In the verses prior to what we read, I've already alluded to there are several mountaintop experiences. The one closest to our verses is truly, literally, and spiritually a mountaintop moment. A moment where the inner circle of Christ, Peter, James, and John, are allowed to witness Jesus Christ being transfigured. A moment of spectacular splendor, incredible glory, where the presence of God literally imbibes his son. And and Peter, James, and John are allowed to experience and witness something that nobody else can experience. Peter is so uh, enamored by this, uh, so, so pleasured by this, so pleased by this, that he says to God, can we just stay here? Can we just stay up here? Do we have to go back down? The Lord says, no. Life's not lived up here, and the people down there need us. The reality is, church, that life changes in an instant. Notice, if you would, please, the condition of this boy. Verse 39 lets us know that the very next day, remember, it's the day after the greatest mountaintop experience these disciples have ever witnessed, and the very next day they are greeted By a boy that it says in verse 39, a spirit taketh him, he suddenly cries out, and it teareth him until he foameth again, bruising him, hardly departeth from him. If I can summarize it, he's possessed with demonic activity. Every time I come to a passage like this, and I talk about demonic possession, somebody looks at me strange, I get strange emails, uh, preacher, do you really believe in this? One hundred percent. 
We love to doctor it up. We love to give it pretty language. But if you look at the description here, it's not unlike a lot of things we see today. We've just given it a fancy title, but you hear me? Demonic activity, I think, is actually stronger today than it has ever been. Demonic reality is as strong today. I'm not some trying to take you down some strange path. The Bible makes very clear that he's the prince of this world. But I'm glad this morning for the child of God that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No child of God ever has to worry about being possessed by a demon. We can be persuaded by them. But I'm thankful this morning that in the midst of this demonic nature that is the world around us, we still have a God who's in control. But I also understand the heartache of this father. He sees his child filled with an evil spirit. Convulsions that cause him to foam at the mouth. I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying this boy was dominated by Satan. And even if you don't believe in demonic possession, you hear me this morning. We see Satan dominating young people today more than ever. Let me say that again. Not just young people. But we see Satan dominating people today more than ever. I'll say again, it's another reason why church ought to be a priority in your life. Not only was he dominated, he was delusional. That evil spirit would attack this young man. He would cry out, the Bible says, screaming and misery and pain. As difficult as it was for the child, it was also hard on daddy. It's hard on daddy watching this child convulse under the power of Satan, watching this boy literally being destroyed from the inside out by the power of this demonic activity, seeing his son foam at the mouth, seeing his son bruised. And I submit to you that it's affecting this boy's mind. It's affecting this boy's emotions. It's affecting everything about this young man. As a child growing up, said this on Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again on Sunday morning. But as a child growing up, every Baptist preacher in America would talk about being careful what you listen to and being careful what you watch. We don't like to talk about that anymore because we're considered legalistic when we talk about it. But would you hear me this morning? There's a reason why we teach the kids, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Because there are two ways by which junk can enter into our brain, and it's through our eyes and through our ears. Call me legalistic if you want to, but too much of what we see today, too much of what we hear today allows the enemy to take hold. We call it all kinds of different things, but the reality is there is too much happening today for us to deny the existence of Satan. The reality, condition of the son, the compassion of the father. Verse 38, we won't read it again, but father asks the Lord to look upon his son. In fact, he uses the word beseech. It means to beg. Father's desire was so simple. I have no doubt that he'd taken his son to doctors. They couldn't do anything. We know already he had taken him to the disciples, and despite 
their best efforts, including the three that had just witnessed the transfiguration of Christ, uh, they could do nothing. And so this, this man's desire, this father's desire was for Christ to look upon. That word look upon means to carefully examine, to look upon with pity. Not only do you see his desire, you see his devotion. He says, it's my only child. Somebody's got to do something. In fact, I think in the back of his mind, he thought, my last hope is to get this boy to Jesus. My last hope is to get this boy to Jesus. Hear me this morning, church. Mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpas, don't let it be your last hope. Let it be your first hope. Can I, can I say it again for everybody to hear me this morning? Uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm glad God takes us just as we are, uh, but it'd be good uh, for the kids to get in uh, before Satan gets in. It'd be good for Jesus to take hold uh, before Satan takes hold. Uh, it'd be good uh, for our children uh, to recognize uh, that, yes, the world is harsh, uh, but there is a presence, there is a sweetness at the church house uh, that helps me fight the battles every day. Let's not wait till we see them doing all the craziness. Let's get them in while they're young. The reality, the response. The disciples had tried, but they failed to cast out the demon. Jesus, being the preacher that he was, lets the disciples know why they seem to be powerless. If you'll note in verse 40, he says, I besought, the Father says, I besought thy disciples to cast him out. They could not. Jesus answering said, speaking to the disciples and perhaps others gathered around, says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Let me, let me let you go back to verse number two for a second of the same chapter. Same chapter. Go back to verse number two. Notice what it says. Well, let's go actually go back to verse 1. Go verse 1. Then he called the 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all devils, not some, all devils, right. cure diseases, sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Where are you going, preacher? They already had the power. They just didn't have the faith. God had, God had already given them the power. They didn't have the faith. I'm not casting blame because I've walked in those steps. Now, I don't have any power at all. Don't misunderstand me. But I do know that the God that took care of me yesterday will take care of me today. The God that supplied my need last week is going to supply my need next week. And as easy it is for me to stand up here and preach it every once in a while, my inner man starts to doubt it. Don't throw your Bibles at me. You ain't no more spiritual than I am. Every once in a while... My Monday morning slaps me in the face, and I begin to think, oh, God, how are we going to handle this? And I begin to question what's going to happen next, and I begin to think, uh, and I begin to worry. I'm a natural-born worrier. If you don't like to worry, talk to me. I'll help you worry your way through it. But I realize, <laughs> I realize that it's a sin. I get it. Be careful for nothing but in everything by Thanksgiving. I get it. I know it. I understand it. I tell myself that, and still when the challenges happen, uh, the heart palpitations begin. And I begin to question. Just like the disciples, we've got power. But sometimes we like faith. We just lack the faith. By the way, don't turn out Mark chapter number 9. 
the corollary passage where Mark is recounting this whole story, Jesus also has a conversation with the daddy. He says, if you have faith, anything can happen. And I, lo- I don't know this man, but when I get to heaven, I want to shake his hand. Because what he says, uh, I get, I understand. He says, yes, I've got faith. Help thou mine unbelief. Yes, Lord, I trust you. But then there are times when I don't. Don't look at me cross-eyed, folks. It's all of us. Lord, I know that you can take care of it, but I still fret and worry about it. He says, I know all I need is a grain of mustard. I got faith. I'm a God, but help me, Lord. Sometimes I question. These disciples already had the power, but they just lacked the faith. Number one, the reality. Number two, the response. Note, if you would, note number three, the reference. Go to verse number 42. Go to verse 42. As he was yet a coming. Who's the he? This is the boy. Okay, let me set the stage. Daddy sees Jesus. Says, here's my son. He's possessed. Can you help him? Jesus has a conversation with the disciples. Has a conversation with the father. And father says, yes, I got faith. Help thou my unbelief. And, and, and the father says, go see him. Go to Jesus. He can help you. Go, go, go. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. My mind The timing of this attack is no coincidence. (laughs) Satan knew that this boy was in the presence of the only one who could fix the problem. Hey, man. Satan knew that this boy wasn't just coming to a master, wasn't just coming to a prophet, wasn't just making his way to another preacher, but he was making his way to the one who spoke this universe into existence, the one who had power and authority, the one who was fixing to wring his neck on the cross of Calvary. And in that moment, Satan says, I'll do everything. I'll stop at nothing to prevent this from happening. I am convinced That in our moments of greatest blessing, Satan stops at nothing to destroy it. I am one. Listen to me. You get a great blessing in your life. Celebrate it. Give thanks to God. Tell everybody how good God has been. And then you best put on the whole armor of God. Because you're fixing to, to get some arrows slung your way. Satan knows he can't have your soul. So he will do everything to rob you of the joy of your salvation. He knows that greater is he that's in you. And so he attacks you in ways that you can't imagine. Look at me. Often he attacks the weakest, our children. That's what he's after. Notice not only the timing of the tack, but the tenacity of the tack. Pulls out all stops. He knows that the boy is about to get to Jesus. He knows that Jesus has got the power to set the boy free, so he threw him. It literally means to throw him on the ground, to burst him asunder, to tear him to pieces right there in front of the Father and in front of Jesus. The boy is writhing on the ground, foaming at the mouth. That spirit absolutely begins to dominate as this boy endures the attack of his life. 
I'm reading between the lines. Jesus is over here. Father's here. Boy's in the middle. And I can imagine the father saying, Jesus, stop, do something. Stop, do something. I can't what? Do something. Notice the reaction. Number four this morning. I love this. Verse 42. Jeddah coming. Devil threw him down, tear him. Jesus, what's that word, church? Rebuked. Unclean spirit. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. You know what that means? That means, as the Father says, Jesus, do something. I can't want to do something. Jesus looks over at the child and speaking to the enemy says, Hey, that's enough. And boom, gone. Imagine, mamas, when your child is acting up in church and you've looked at them and they've refused to sit still and so you look over at them, the look doesn't work and so you say, hey, look at me, that's enough. And instantly the behavior changed. That's what happened right here. The child is writhing in pain. The child is foaming at the mouth. The child is literally being torn asunder. And Jesus, the only one with authority, the only one with power, says, that's enough. And it all shuts down. I'm glad this morning when I don't know what's happening and I don't trust myself to figure my way through it and I don't understand the next circumstance and I can't figure out what's going on and I can't rationalize my way through it, which is how I always react. I try to figure my way through things. I'm glad this morning that when I don't understand, when I can't grapple, when I can't reason, I've still got a Bible that gives me the roadmap. and Jesus can look at the demons of our lives. He can look at the challenges of our lives and say, hey, that's enough and shut it all down. There's still power, church, in the Word of God. A rebuke comes a reunion. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and it could have stopped there. And he says at the last clause of verse 42, delivered him again to his father. I can imagine... Jesus turning to the boy, hey, that's enough. The demon flees. That's the ferocious Jesus. By the way, Jesus had some ferocity about him. Don't misunderstand. Jesus was a carpenter. Don't misunderstand. He wasn't some long, hippie-haired guru saying, follow me. He was a carpenter. He was a rugged man's man. And he looks over. At the demon-possessed child and says, that's enough. And the manly man of Jesus throws out the demon. And the tender Jesus walks over to the boy and says, come here, son. Wraps his arms around him and says, all is well. Brings him back to his daddy and says, let's come back together. Here's a reunion Hear me this morning. Sin causes separation. But grace causes restoration. 
where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Sin gets in a church, tears it apart. Only grace can get it back together. Sin gets in our lives and rips us asunder. And only grace can bring us back together. I am thankful this morning that there's still amazing grace. You can close your Bibles. When we, I believe that when we get to heaven, we'll meet both the Father and the Son. We don't know their names. We don't know their heritage. We don't know their lineage. We don't know anything about them. All we know is that daddy had faith and faith was rewarded. Because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, Brother Ken. Life at the foot of the mountain can be challenging, but it's also our reality. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking. You would be honest and say, Pastor Greg, me or my family, we're facing one of these situations. One of these trials. Nobody's looking this morning. Heads bowed. Pray for us. And I said, oh my goodness. All over the building, hands are going up. Hey folks, the same Jesus that spoke to this boy can speak to your circumstances right now. If you raised your hand, don't wait for Ken to start singing. Come on, just step out right now. Come on to this old altar. People coming from both sides. Come on, all over the building. Come on, would you make your way? Just bring it down to Jesus this morning. Come on, all over, both sides. All three aisles, come on this morning. Come on, bless your heart. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Is there anybody here this morning that would say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand because I'm not even sure of my salvation. If the Lord were to come back today or if my day... If today is my last day, I'm not sure heaven would be my home. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Brother Ken's going to sing us a verse of invitation. And if you raise your hand and need to step out, why don't you come on to this old-fashioned altar this morning? Sing, Brother Ken. Hear my humble cry. together. Savior, Savior, sing with us all over the building church. Savior, Savior, sing now. Sing. Savior. Savior. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. Leadership team, we'll meet in the Ladies' Sunday School. Don't wait for me, team. You'll go and start. I'll be there shortly. Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer. Fellowship with each other. Bring us back Wednesday night for Juana's in Bible study. Brother Ken, thank you for being here, church. Father, we are thankful, Lord, for the time to be in your house today. And Father, thank you for speaking through the man of God this morning, Lord, to our hearts. And God, I pray, Lord, this, this message will just rest on our hearts today, God. And Father, we just want to thank you this morning, Lord, for loving us. And Father, how have you been so good to us, Lord? And we appreciate your presence being here with us today. And God, we just ask, Lord, you be with the people as we go our separate ways. God, give us, just give us a good afternoon, Lord. We just want to say we love you because you first loved us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Thank you.